to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Guys, uh, scripture is full of stories of people getting in bondage or, or, or enslaved um, or, or in exile or, or whatever, and then uh, deliverance or freedom coming, whether it was exile itself or when uh, Israel was enslaved by Egypt and delivered through Moses or Joseph sold into slavery and ending up in the palace or all the times, you know, throughout the judges when, when Israel would, um, you know, rebel against the Lord, fall away, worship false gods and come into subjection, like they were ruled by foreign enemies and then the Lord freeing them again and again or Mary of Magdalene having seven demons. Do you ever catch that? She, out of Mary of Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons? That's a, I mean, she was bound up. I mean, that's an insane prison of the soul to have that many oppressive spirits, you know, messing with you. Or when the disciples got locked up for just preaching the gospel and they're down in like the, the deepest dungeon of the prison and they just start praising, praising in the prison. And the angel comes and opens up all the doors. I mean, just over and over again, we see these incredible pictures of people coming into bondage and then the Lord showing up and freeing them. Or maybe it was humanity, all of humanity bound up by our distrust of the Father and Jesus coming and beautifully undoing that. God loves to set people free. You guys have heard me say this. If you've come to church any uh, number of years, I've been delivered more than a $3 pizza on a Friday night. <laughs> we love freedom. William Wallace, of course, you know, sparked the revolution where Scotland would uh, eventually free itself from oppressive rule. What a great movie. I, I don't... I don't run into many people who don't have Braveheart on one of their, like on their top 10 list, you know what I mean? If that's not you, it's okay. I still love you. We can't all be right about life, but we can still, <laughs> we can still be friends. Um, <laughs> you know, men don't follow titles. They, f they follow courage. I'm, I'm going to pick a fight. <laughs> to all of these Scottish people listening to this podcast, I apologize um, for that horrible accent. But oh, how about the Declaration of Independence? You know, us, you know, saying that we we have decided that as a nation we are going to free ourselves from the oppressive rule. England had a few bad spots in history, didn't they? God bless England. I mean, England has brought amazing things, but so far we covered Scotland and the U.S., and England was, Lord, thank you for our brothers and sisters across the ocean. But the Declaration of Independence obviously was insanely important because we're saying that we, we can't bear up underneath this oppression anymore. And then what happened? A war which is often what happens in our own life when we declare, I am not going to put up with this anymore. Hope and joy come, but you have thrown down a gauntlet and a fight is about to begin and you're gonna see the Lord deliver you. 
or the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation stating that all enslaved people shall be free. What an amazing document. It took about two and a half years um, before it came to you know, fruition where the, the freeing of all the slaves um, happened in, and uh, you know, just this year, uh, 2021, Juneteenth, which is, you know, June 19th is, is when we celebrate um, the freeing of all slaves. It's when troops uh, actually arrived on the shores of Gal Galveston, Texas to, um, to ensure the freeing of all slaves. And that's why we have Juneteenth. And just this year, it's become a national holiday. Amen and hallelujah. And you know what I think is really cool about the timing of all that is that next year, like 2022, Juneteenth falls on Father's Day, which I believe is like the father, like putting his stamp saying, I want all my kids free. I might not make it through today. <clears throat> or women's suffrage, you know, the women's movement to, to give women a voice and to end the, the subjugation of, of women in our nation. You know, for, for all of our faults, we as a culture, we are obsessed with freedom. And I, I haven't grown up in another country, obviously. I've only grown up here, so I don't exactly know what every other country innately carries of heaven, but I know that our country innately is birthed from God to carry freedom because when we bring freedom, we don't even know it. We inadvertently bring the kingdom of heaven. Yep. You guys know why God loves freedom so much? Because God is love. You can't have love without freedom. Like if I were to tell Ashley, my wife, you have to love me. You, you have to serve me. Like you have to do certain things to show you love me. What would that say about our marriage? It would, it would say it was dead. And it needs to be <laughs> resurrected and it can be resurrected but I, I don't want my wife to serve me like a robot. I want her to freely, joyfully just love me no matter what, in sickness and in health, in thickness and in health. Like, I want her, <laughs> no, come what may, like, she's not, it's not just obligation and duty. She is compelled by love to do things for me and, and me for her, right, babe? <laughs> she's my bride. Aren't we the bride of Christ? So wouldn't it be true then that the Father doesn't want us compelled by a sense of obligation or duty, but compelled by self-giving love? And I don't want my kids to obey me just because they like fear me or fear the consequences. I Ashley and I, we, we want our kids to obey us at, at their core 
because they want to steward their friendship with us. That we don't want them to, they don't want to damage their friendship, their relationship with us. And, um, and so we, we have to give them freedom because if we, just, if we just make them do what we want them to do all the time, then when they are 18 and out of the house, then we, they no longer have us bringing the consequences into their life. And they're going to really experience what it's like to give full vent to all of the desires that were pent up in them. I know that's what happened to me when I turned 18, even though I have amazing parents that raised me in the Lord, I had... I just rebelled so hard because I had a religious spirit in my life. I feared, the only reason I obeyed God is because I feared something. And aren't we God's kids? So he wants us obeying in a place of of freedom because we are madly in love with him. The more freedom you have, the more God's spirit has touched your life. I listened to a preacher recently. He's an author. I wouldn't even call him a preacher. But he, um, he had a, a horrible like moral failure in his life. He cheated on his wife, had an emotional and physical affair. Um, but he had hid that ever since he was a child, he had suffered um, sexual abuse. And so shame and addiction were in his life. It manifested in a horrible way in his marriage. And they decided that they would fight to, to stay together, even though it was, it was ugly and messy. And he says that 11 years in to walking through his brokenness with the Lord, He knew God had freed him because he was the same person in every room that he walked into. See, God could have, he could have made us just like obedience robots, you know, just creatures that do his bidding, you know, that we just steward earth exactly like he says. And and that voice behind us is actually a commanding, demanding voice where like every step of our life, he's saying, don't step there, step over there, grab that. But he he didn't do that because he didn't want obedience robots. He wanted friends. He wanted children. He wanted a bride. He created us free to be the objects of his affection that we would lavish our affections back on him. The father wanted kids, the son wanted the bride, and the spirit wanted bodies to fill. That's why he made us. And at its core, I believe that growing in freedom has a lot to do with unlearning. You guys know what it feels like when you unlearn something that you thought was true about God, and it, and it like unravels? It's as if the Holy Spirit just says, hmm, that's an interesting loose thread right there. Let's pull on that for a little while. And then the whole sweater in your brain just unravels. <laughs> if you want to destroy my sweater. <laughs> Holy Spirit, grab the thread right now. <laughs> 
When we're unlearning things, it's, we're tearing down strongholds, lofty things, that, lofty ideas that have set themselves up against the actual knowledge of God. And so a stronghold has to do with thoughts. It's a house of thoughts that in which we are protected or imprisoned. See, there are good strongholds. The name of the Lord is a stronghold, safe place to run. It's our hiding place. But when we, when we build up all of these thoughts about God that have a false foundation, you know, an original thought of the Lord that doesn't begin with God is love, if we don't begin with God is love, then we are going to build a stronghold around us with all of these other false ideas. And probably the greatest freedom that God wants to bring involves tearing down those fortified houses of thought that create and perpetuate the illusion of a terrible God, a ruthless taskmaster, an exacting boss whose anger will only boil over if we, if we don't sacrifice. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want slaves. He wants free children. He, can only, he only creates after his own image, and he's free, right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. He created us in his own image. Therefore, we are free. See, a, a slave, they, they only do what they're told. Their greatest aspiration is just to make it through the day without angering their master. God doesn't want that for any of us. We know this is true because he gave us our own will. Even Jesus had a will that was separate from the Father, completely submitted to the Father, but separate from the Father. We can choose not to obey. We can choose not to love. It's not love if you can't choose to not love. Jesus says, uh, says it like this in John 15, 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for the things that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. And then Galatians 5, 1 says it like this. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And Paul goes on to identify that slavery as trying to please God by adhering to the law. And it's the same thing that he says in 2 Corinthians 3. It's Paul again saying, to this day a veil remains when the old covenant is read. It's not been removed because it's only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Mo Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, and we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. That is just a mind-boggling verse. Paul is saying that you, you were enslaved to the rules of the Father when he always wanted you to be sons to the Father of the rule. 
This love that Jesus shows us from the Father is a no-strings-attached kind of love. If there are strings attached, it is not love. He would walk around like healing people or delivering them and, and just be, say something like, well, go enjoy your life free of sin now. Lord. Go and sin no more. He didn't like sit them down and say, make sure you use this freedom right, okay? Make sure you use this healing right. You know, this is just the start. And this is, you're going to have to do this and this and that to show me that I didn't make a mistake in healing you. Everybody in here wants to be great, right? It's, it's a God-given desire. He's great, and we want to be like him. Therefore, we're made to be great. When the disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest, Jesus didn't rebuke them. He said, if you want to be the greatest, here's the path. Become like this little child. Actually endorsing their desire to be great and showing them how to do it. Like, but no, no athlete, like the, great, the goat, the greatest of all time, no athlete becomes the greatest of all time because of fear. Michael Jordan or anyone else that you want to argue is greater than Michael Jordan at basketball didn't get to that level because they feared failure or feared punishment or feared letting people down that like any, if, or feared letting the coach down he got there because of a love for the game. Fear of failure or fear of looking dumb wouldn't propel an athlete when no one is looking. When it's raining and cold outside and it's hard to wake up for practice, it's a love for the game. We're called to run this race, but we'll never do it unless we love the game. We're called to serve the Lord. We'll never do it unless we love him. You guys know what Ephesians 2.8 says. It's one of the most famous gifts about what freedom looks like. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Hallelujah. Notice that it doesn't say this is a free gift, because that would be redundant. It can't be a gift if it isn't free. If you can earn it, then it's wages, right? We know about wages, don't we? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so we actually were earning wages. We were part of like an evil corporation run by the accuser in which we were enslaved and working and our wages, our payout would eventually be death. And Jesus comes along and says, I love all of them. I'm going to buy all of their contracts. You can have me instead. I will die their death for them ransomed all of us, bought all of our contracts and transferred us into the kingdom where it's a free gift. We no longer work for salvation. We don't work for eternal security. We don't work for God's love. It's free. The nature of this gift is so bodacious that it, we have a hard time believing it. 
It sounds like I'm selling you swampland in Florida right now, doesn't it? Like, like how can it be that you get all of this for, for nothing? And it, it causes us to like short circuit sometimes, or, or we're tempted just to not believe it. Or, or we, we, and if we say it can't be that good, then what we start to do is we, we try to uh, load the gospel with all sorts of requirements or checkpoints to make sure that we're actually getting that free gift. <laughs> Ashley and I, a long time ago, we were intercessory missionaries which meant that uh, we prayed for revival. We ministered to the heart of God. And it also meant that we, we raised funds uh, to, to uh, supplement our, our income so that we could spend as much time as possible in the house of prayer. This is a long, long time ago. We were super broke. Um, <laughs> and, and it, you know, we, you, you know, you know how like when you're, you guys probably all know this, when you're, when you're broke for a while and then, um, the bills start stacking up. You're not like super broke until like you're, you get to uh, the end of the month and there's like 10 bills you can't make. Well, it was kind of like one of those moments where we, we just couldn't, there was, there was no hope. And out of the blue, a guy I hadn't talked to in like six months sent us $5,000. And we're like, Jesus, you're so good. Thank you, Lord. And, <clears throat> and it was weird because I didn't, I didn't reach out to him. Um, he was just a kingdom-minded, wealthy dude. I really liked the guy before. Like, we were, we were acquaintances and heading towards friendship. I liked being around him. After he gave us $5,000, I thought the moon, like the world of him. Like, this guy hung the moon. He's awesome. And, um, <clears throat> and the next time I saw him, I was awkward. because he, he gave us $5,000. And so I thought, he needs to see me looking like Jesus, like shining. Like I just came out of the prayer room, just woke up from a dream from God, like just led someone to the Lord and I'm listing off like the, like the spiritual accomplishments of, you know. And, and I, I recognized this thing in me after we hung out and I was like, why was I so awkward? And um, I started to basically think, well, I guess <laughs> he doesn't want to hang out with me if I act like that. We're not going to be friends. But thank you, Lord, for that, that $5,000. Well, fast forward, many months go by, and uh, some of those, those gifts that were sustaining us were running out again. And I was, I was grieving that I had messed up that friendship with that guy because I was also hoping that he would continue to support us. Honest talk, right? Well, um, the Lord met me in that moment and he said, your friend is feeling the sorrow that I feel when people look at the great gift I've given them and use it to keep themselves out of friendship with me. Because he gave me such a great gift, I wanted to show him I was worthy of it. He didn't make a mistake in choosing me. He didn't make a mistake 
in saving me. Is this hitting home for anyone? When I had that realization, I repented, and I was like, oh, I, I have an orphan mentality there, Lord, I'm, but I'm your son. <laughs> Thank you for helping me realize that. And I just, you know how it is when you just feel his presence and some tears come. And that day, that guy sent us another $5,000. <laughs> you know what the date was? May 5th, 5-5. Five, five. Biblically, symbolically, five is the number of grace, unearned. What father wants to hear his son say, I'm going to be the best boy ever and prove to you that, I, that you didn't make a mistake in having me? John 8.35 says it like this. A slave has no permanent place in his family, but a son belongs to it forever. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, slaves, servants, slaves, they, they, they fear uh, their master's disapproval. Uh, and, but sons, we, there, there is no fear in love. Fear has to do with punishment. This is First John. God is love. There's no fear in love. We have nothing to fear of our Father. We can run to Him with confidence, just like Jesus showed us that we can. Because you, but you can't trust someone that you fear. You can't be friends with someone that you're trying to earn some, something from. So, guys, hear me say this: when when Jesus showed us the Father, he simultaneously showed us that we feared a God that never existed. It was a distorted caricature of our real Father, a far cry from our good Father, the lover of our souls, our good shepherd. So when you take hold of Christ, and Christ takes hold of you, you let go of that old monster. Guys, if that God took on flesh, he would be terrifying. The God that we used to believe in, the harsh, exacting taskmaster who can only be appeased if we sacrifice rightly, if he manifested, he would be terrifying. When that happens, you'll find that God will always be better than your best thought about him. That he will always be kinder than you gave him credit for. When we're set free like that, we're not just set free from things, we're set free to do things. We're set free into something. We're gonna celebrate freedom can I have the worship team come back up? So we've all had seasons or marked moments where like God has tangibly, noticeably, or like memorably like set us free. And we're actually, I and mean, we're all in one right now, like whether we know it or not. Uh, 
he, he's never giving up on us. There are things inside of our psyche, trauma, thoughts about him that he's, he's working out. Um, and it's, it's amazing how gentle he is. Like, you don't even know that he's freeing you sometimes. It's kind of like when you go into a chiropractor for the first time and he snaps something in place, and you're like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't even, I'd lived with that for 15 years, and so I didn't even recognize that it was out of whack anymore, but now that you've straightened it out, like, praise God, life is new. Like, <laughs> so we've all had those moments where he's freed us. Can you put up that slide for me? And what I want to do is um, remember some of them, remember one of them. So I want you to identify a moment where, where Jesus set you free. And you can pull out your phone or notebook while the, while the band is playing. Just meditate on the Lord for a few minutes. This is between you and the Lord, this moment right now. Um, I want you to pull out your phone and just type this out in the notes or wherever you save. If you have Google Docs or whatever on your, on your phone, just type out, Jesus touched my heart and set me free from blank. And now I have freedom to blank. Praise you, Jesus. You set me free.